this is quite a highbrow conversation, actually. If we get this any is new, the this is the process conversation I've heard you guys. I if, thought we were just going to talk about dinner. <laughs> Welcome to the Great Unraveling Podcast. I'm Matt, I'm the producer of this show and long-time suffering friend of political commentator and co-host Ben Kelly. Hello. Who you can find at The Skeptical on Twitter. This is a show about current affairs and social issues from the point of view of two fed-up nearly middle-aged dads wrestling with our pandemic-tainted lives and unravelling minds. Yes, each fortnight Ben has a subject for discussion and then we see where the mood takes us. Please enjoy. Right, ben, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good. What are we talking about today? We're talking about liberalism, Matt. How to... Are we? Yes, we are. Talking about uh, liberalism and the new book by our guest, Ian Dunt. Yes, a genuine guest. Journalist, editor, broadcaster. You can speak up now, Ian. You, we know you're here. What I find <laughs> amazing about what's just happened is that as you did that intro, you put a pen in your mouth and continued to talk in a podcast. And that is some, I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, sorry, that I was is, just getting that, more and more. That's what I've got to deal with. I was yeah. getting more embarrassed now. I just can't. It's really, <laughs> we have thank a you, guest hello, Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Is that a good introduction, Ben? Were you happy with that? Yeah, I think that that will do. People who normally listen to will will not be surprised by how terrible this is all is. <laughs> um, yes, we're going to talk about Ian Dunn's new book, How to Be a Liberal, which uh, I very much enjoyed. So, oh, shall, we, shall we? Do, shall we do that? I've got a, I think I've got a, can I ask like, just like a dumb question straight up, Ian? Nice to meet you, by the way. Nice to meet you too, mate. Um, yeah, you could ask me whatever the fuck you like. I would, uh, just dumb question. What's a liberal? <laughs> <laughs> what is this like cliff notes? Is this basically just cheating? Basically? You still have to read the fucking book. Um, okay. I mean, to me, it's really simple. I just think a liberal is someone that believes in the freedom of the individual. Um, and that is the guiding principle upon which all of their politics comes from. You can go, to all sorts of fucking places with that. Like you can, especially on the left-right angle. And you can come up to various conclusions on like a wealth of different issues, but ultimately your moral guiding light is you believe in the freedom of the individual and that's where your, that's where your, your reasoning comes from, that's where your values come from, that's where your um, aspirations come from. It's, it's, that's the, pretty much the one-word answer. The thing is, liberalism, you know, liberals, like, they do like to argue quite a bit and so you could get a different liberal and he'd give you a different answer but my answer is the correct one <laughs> yeah. that's a nice concise answer though to be fair yeah but then i warbled but, afterwards so i sort of fucked it but you know nevertheless yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the summary is it's clean you, you you're getting into the mode of the show that's what you <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because um I've, I've constantly looked at ways of just uh, when I first started um, writing about politics and I was on Twitter and I thought, oh, how do I describe myself? I thought, well, I don't really want to describe myself because it's a bit limiting. But then realised you sort of have to give 
because I wasn't very well known, I had to give people some kind of indicator. Mm-hmm. I've gone through lots of different ways. Eventually now rested on liberal, which is unsatisfyingly broad, but I think because there's the core principles there, which I think you outline in the book quite uh, very well, um, that that's, that's something I'm comfortable with to say. that the, it, it, As you say, there's just variations of going to the left or right, and there's lots of things to to points to disagree on because there's so many nuances to to it as a philosophy but yeah that's what that's the word i've i've rested on as it's it's broad but you know get you give the get the gist of where i am on a lot mm-hmm. of different issues with that i think you feel like i think it was like a sort of like an a less attractive word if i'm honest before the current sort of culture war and now that it feels like it's getting its ass handed to it now that you see you know you see guys like orban or whatever you know, actively and consciously saying, you know, we're trying to destroy liberalism. It, make, it, it, it gives it more of a sort of emotional satisfaction, I suppose, as people with sense of designation, because it feels they're more aware of the values that they're fighting to protect. Whereas, back, you know, back in sort of 2010 or something, there was just a sense of like, well, aren't we all just liberals now? You know, don't we want this more free, more free country? And so it felt so broad and so diffuse that, that it wasn't effective. Whereas right now, it feels much more precise, I think, and, and much more... I don't want to push this too far, but like a bit more courageous, you know, you're sort of standing against the tide right now to say that I am, I am a liberal in this climate, no matter the context. I, I think actually, yeah, that, I think that's obviously probably on a personal level why I've come back to that because, um, and one of the things that was interesting to read about, uh, read your book now, as I said, uh, a lot of the, the foundation from the 17th century, 18th century, 19th century, uh, liberal philosophy I stood at university mm-hmm. and that began to change the way I sort of looked at politics but then I went through a bit of a, a political journey where I was so uncertain about so many things that I was kind of all over the place I was like latching onto certainties and that that ended up with where I was on uh, Brexit we're not going to get into too much into that but you can listen to a previous episode where I've talked about my regrets there <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there was quite evident in in Brexit uh, in in me supporting Brexit at the time was a uh, that complacency which you discuss in the book which I've heard you discuss in interviews as well uh, that sort of complacency of, of of a belief in the progressiveness everything's becoming more liberal and that's just you know a journey we're on and it gets progressively better and we have to keep learning that again and again that that's not true and I think that's where I was on a personal level because I was able to believe in this bizarre uh belief that that we could still do brexit and still it you know it could still be a liberal thing and and i didn't mm-hmm. see where the political currents were at all because i was lost in this belief that no you know people said how could you support something when people like Nigel Farage and etc cetera, etc cetera, were you know anti-immigration sentiment and they and i guess the the delusion was i just didn't think that that's where we were as a country and that that was how, where we were going to be over the next few years. Completely wrong, of course. No, but I'm with, I, think- I had the same kind of, I mean, I had the same experience, really. I mean, you know, I always considered myself Eurosceptic. And in, in those years, that was a different debate, right? You know, I mean, you know, if you, if you go back, I don't know, 2010 or something, I could sit there and think, you know, I don't agree with Nigel Farage's interpretation of this, but I might have these other concerns. About him. And the thing is, and then it just, it just, became the culture war. And, Bre- and by the time that we were all debating Brexit in 2016, it didn't really have like anything to do with the EU in any, in any of the mainstream sense. It was basically, it was a culture war. It was about values and identity. Yeah. And, and, and it could have been, they could have had a referendum on a completely different topic 
I don't know, it could have been on, you know, transsexual rights. It could have been, you know, on anything else. And all of those identity wars would have latched onto that different sort of, you know, that, that different engine. As it happened, we, we got that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt myself in exactly the same thing. If you just, you know, you, your views on something got completely swept over by this completely different, like, you know, context of fighting it. Like, yeah, yeah. Is it quite a difficult term in that sense? So it's like, um, so it's, it is nice. So in, in conversations where, you know, inevitably when politically, we end up talking in quite binary terms about left and right and the, and, or the centre, and there isn't really much else. The idea of a liberal kind of exists um, separately to that. So it's quite, it's kind of a difficult term to speak to people about. Yeah, that's, that, I think there must be some truth in that, right? Like it, it it fundamentally does not have a view on economic issues. It has two schools within it, very I'm super broad right now, one of which is the laissez-faire school, which is basically like you get to keep all your stuff. State shouldn't interfere in the market because it will fuck it right up. That's the, the sum total of really where the laissez-faire school comes from. And that's ultimately an idea of the freedom of the individual that's fundamentally you keep your stuff and, and you engage with other people in the free market. And then you have like the, the sort of radical liberalism or egalitarian liberalism, which says, well, actually, we're going to need to redistribute some of that stuff because, you know, other people, if they don't have jobs, if they don't have secure employment, if children aren't educated properly, you can't possibly say that that person has freedom of the individual. So actually, we need a more redistributive function. So you have those different schools. And that means that to say I am a liberal does not give someone an indication of, of what your economics are. Basically, it's, it's actually quite open on that. And that then leads to where we are now, which is it's basically a term of abuse. I mean, it's quite rare that I hear it not as a term of abuse, which is part of the motivation for, for writing the book, right? You've got, you know, the right wing will say, well, what you really mean is that you want, you know, you know, everyone to have piercings and hijabs. <laughs> You're like, well, it's like, well, actually, I, I don't really give a fuck whether they wear either of those things, but whatever. Um, and you get the left saying what you're really saying is that you want to set off all of the public sector, you know, you're a Thatcherite there yeah. or whatever. And that's those are really the, the two usages of the term that I see the vast majority of the time. Um, and that, I think, partly does stem from the fact that, that you can go either way on the economics while still being a liberal. So that's a, so the book is like a campaign for the cause of liberalism, right? Yeah, it, well, no, I should be clear. My opinion is that um, sort of egalitarian liberalism is, by distance, a much more appropriate way of reflecting uh, the fundamental values of liberalism that every time that we've been seduced by laissez-faire, we've, A, caused extraordinary chaos in society and driven voters towards anti-liberal parties, as indeed I think you've seen for the period from the financial crash, which is ultimately, a, you know, that was a laissez-faire economics a lack of regulation, a calamity on the world economy, leading us into the current situation that we're in. So my view is that one of those schools of liberalism is, I think, demonstrably philosophically and economically and politically correct. And that doesn't mean that I will ever say that as if liberals aren't liberals. And, and I hear that quite a bit again, where they're not proper liberals. It's like, no, they, they absolutely are proper liberals. They, they're disagreeing, but they're coming with the same unit of analysis there's a qualitative difference between these guys and, you know, fascists or communists, you know, guys that aren't concerned with the individual. But I do have a view, and I put that view forward in the book, of which of these schools I think is the correct one. Yeah, I was just going to move on to the book so that you've referred to it like properly. And this is quite a hybrid conversation, actually. If we get this, any is, new, the, this is the freshest conversation I've heard you guys. I if, thought we were just going to talk about dinner. And we will we'll be. talk about some other shit in a bit. Yeah. If, if we get any new listeners, they're going to be bitterly disappointed when they listen to the next one. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, I would. There definitely is, and I was thinking this earlier when I was looking back over it. That there definitely is a narrative from your own personal political viewpoint um, that you're pulling the reader towards. Uh, one that definitely, yeah, a lot, much of which I identify with, and a lot of which makes me think. So, moving on to your book, um, I now want you to give us a sort of elevator pitch of your book to listeners in case they haven't heard of it. And you have to do it in the time that I finish this drunk. <laughs> wait, how long is it going to wait? That you're just going to down that? Ca- Are you fucking downing that cat? Okay, Stop, fine, go, right? Go, so, go, okay, go. okay, I'm going to do it right now. We're getting our asses handed to us by a bunch of nationalist scumbags, and we need to reaffirm our sense Done. of our values. Bastard! A... <laughs> Did you just do that? Really impressive and this... also quite gross. <laughs> No, no yeah. but moving on to book though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your, your pitch failed. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like three words out. Man. No, I, I have to say, I, we've discussed. I've discussed on previous podcasts how my uh, my reading has fallen apart. Uh, you know, when I was a few years ago, I used to be a prolific reader. Then, then I stopped reading fiction. I read a lot of uh, political books. And then I got very bored of reading books like that, and. So when I came to your book, I knew it was going to have a political sound, but it's the first book I've read like this for a long time. And I really, really enjoyed it, I have to say. And, and Thanks, man. Um, I was a bit concerned that I needed to find things to disagree with you or, or pull you up on just so that I wasn't just, you know, sucking you off for half an hour. But I really enjoyed the <laughs> no, book. Please. I did really yes. enjoy the book. I, I'll take yeah. any criticism so rather than that visual image. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, feel, feel free to tear that shit apart. Yeah, it was, I know, it was really, it was really good. And... Um, it was brilliant to read the, the the way you went through the philosophical foundations of um, of liberalism. It was, it was it was great to read that again, and it was fascinating to read about it again in a different context. When I read about it originally at university, I was writing with mature students, so this is two thousand nine to two thousand twelve, rather than you know m- many years ago, and. That was st- <laughs> just to get that straight. Just to get that straight. <laughs> I was an adult. <laughs> no, 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 but I mean, it was only a few. It wasn't like twenty years ago, or whatever. It was, what difference uh, does it make? Why does that make a difference? Because the context I was reading it was just like a few years ago, rather than like you know. Okay. Just, it was, you know, it's just fucking Ali. This is so annoying. You just break my flow every time. Honestly, you've prepared your thing. I, I haven't really, I've, as usual, fantastically ill prepared for this. <laughs> Um, what was the, what was I talking about? I I read that stuff in university as well, to be fair, and and obviously I've I've read it. I mean, I've read it again like now more than I oh, ever that's wish it, to read that's it. That's it. What I was going to say. Yeah, in, yeah. Interrupt the person you're interviewing. That's good tactic. I mean, I thought I was trying to save the break in the conversation, <laughs> but apparently yeah, no, I'm just going to get spanking for that. Right. Yeah, just edit all edit all this so it sounds like more professional. Yeah. Um, no, totally no seriously though, the, it's reading about these th- these thing in this in different in a context of now. I think I was in a complacent stage then, and you're reading about things, you know, like the separation of powers in government, for example, or the fundamental philosophy behind freedom of speech and and freedom of the individual. To read about those things when I was complacent about, it, I just thought, yeah, that's just the way things are. That's mm-hmm. how I f- was reading about them. Now to read about it now and think, there's so many quotes from. Uh, J.S. Mill or, you know, whoever, uh, John Locke, uh, where they're just like, 
this, this these are not these are not these are not arguments we've we've actually necessarily won already. These are things that are in dispute all over the world and even in our own country now. Um Complete, and- that's that's it. Like if, if if a few years ago you'd been like, Well, I'm gonna talk a lot about the separation of powers, I would have been bored stiff because I would just think, Well, <laughs> we know, right? Like yeah, exactly, what possible yeah. controversy could there be about this? And then what's mad now is you look around. Every single one of these guys attacks the separation of power, like bar none, you know, whether it's Bolsonaro, whether it's Orban, whether it's Salvini, whether it's Johnson or Trump in Poland, um, in, in Israel. I mean, over and over in India, it's always the same thing. And, and so then you're forced to think, well, what is it about the, these? Because, you know, in, in other aspects, they have very different sort of national flavors, very different cultural flavors, the way the nationalist movement works. But in this, you just think, wow, that program, you can copy and paste that shit from country to country. So there must be something in the separation mm. of power that is a threat to people with power. Who would have fucking thought, right? <laughs> it turns out that actually it's therefore really quite worthwhile, like going back to the stuff, because you realize this stuff came from guys fighting tyrants. That's why they came up with these ideas. These ideas were always radical ideas. And we just got so complacent, and I totally include myself in this so complacent that we lost touch with our values. We knew what these words were, but we didn't really bother fighting for them or speaking out for them or engaging in them. We just kind of assumed that they would always hold firm. And all of history tells you, and certainly all of liberal history tells you, that if an idea doesn't have blood flowing through it, if it's just allowed to fossilize, it will crumble away. Because that was the kind of thing of like, well, it's, it's about time that we kind of learned or reminded ourselves what these values are. And that's why when I was writing, I was trying to write it not like a politics book because, I mean, I've read a lot of politics books and they, they really don't necessarily make it easy for you. Like you get a lot from them, but the, the, the process of reading it is often quite tedious. So that I wanted to write it more like a novel, like, you, you know, like actually like something that someone wouldn't be bored reading on the beach, that they could conceivably sit on the beach and read. Well, let me reassure you there, actually, but to be fair... Um... I did say that about you know being bored of reading reading political books. I don't think that would be a fair way of describing it. Um, much of it, I, it reads much like a history book, and and um, well, the strength is that a compliment? It's a compliment. Yes, it's, it's a compliment. If you just again, if you just let me finish or even start, you know what I mean. It's a bit like a ref, like a textbook, like a reference book. Really I was about fit. to go on elaborate on that. But here's my idea for this bit. You just, you know, facilitate in the background. Shut, up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, thank you. You come in the next bit where we're talking shit. Yeah? Okay. Right, that's your sample fucking level, isn't it? <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Embarrassing. It's like we've got a house guest. <laughs> embarrassing as, as always. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, again, do you see what happened though? This is a whole digression now. I got I got lost mm. when you said, "Here's my idea for this bit." You just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Which is like <laughs> fantastic production planning. I really like. Yeah. It was really interesting. One really interesting thing I found because I, I remember I didn't read J.S. Mill at university. We didn't go into that bit. I read it afterwards because. It was sort of progressive from what I'd read at university. So reading on liberty and things like that. And to just have read that and thought, wow, this is so much what I believe or what I find inspiring. And and 
to not know that he'd written so much and to not know the love story behind it, to not know that there was a, a, a woman involved who I'd never heard of. Um, mm. Who Who's that then? Well, Ian can t- tell us. It, basically, it, there's a great love affair at the centre of the, the J.S. Mill story who was also his creative partner and someone who's fascinated me and the, the, the stuff he wrote was like foundation of so much of what I've come to believe and not know this is... Is is Har- shock, kind of shocking. Harriet's Harriet someone. Yeah, Harriet Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah Harriet Taylor yeah. Mill eventually. Can you and, and you did this again with uh, Benjamin Constant and and <laughs> I wish we'd talked about that more, but that's not going to work now. So can you tell us about Taylor? <laughs> can you tell about Taylor Taylor and Mill? Can you tell us a little? Yeah, about and it is like I do. I I I I just think that's one of the most beautiful love stories I've read, and it, and it's it's super odd because she's married. Like they meet and she's married. She's got kids, she's got two kids and another on the way. And they fall in love, but she 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 ends up in this situation where she can't really divorce her husband. Carlisle, Thomas Carlisle, described her husband in a way that really made me laugh as an innocent, dull, good man. In other words, like it was she was she which no no guy no guy wants that description. Right? <laughs> but like ultimately, he was a nice bloke. Like it wasn't like, you know, she was bored in the marriage, but he was nice. He'd only ever been wonderful to her. And um, so she's, so she ends up, she goes off and she's like, right, I've got to sort this out. Like I'm, you know, basically I'm married and I'm in love with someone else. And she comes back and just thinks, okay, this is what we're going to do. And just basically tells the two, the two of them are competing in this very Victorian gentlemanly way for her affections. She's just like, look, this is how it's going to work. And um, my husband's going to be the PR front of the marriage and I'll maintain it so that he's not humiliated so that, you know, our kids aren't humiliated. Obviously, you know, this is Victorian times, right? So divorce was a pretty big deal and required an act of parliament. But my actual intimate married life will be with <laughs> this other guy over here. And amazingly, they both put up with it. It lasts, you know, for nearly two decades, that relationship, that sort of weird three-way relationship. Um, and they're very happy. I mean, the, the, the ridiculous thing is how happy they are. I mean, even when they're really quite old, when they're scoping out retirement homes, um, <laughs> the letters that John Stuart Mill writes to his wife are some of the most loving, sweet, tender letters you could possibly imagine. And what it mostly does is create this forum where the two of them can basically meld their minds together. But he constantly talks about this joint fund of thought between the two of them, where it's no longer possible to tell who's holding the pen. And from that comes not only on liberty, which is, you know, if if there is a Bible of liberalism, that's basically what it is, um, but also early feminist thought. You know, the the critiques of, of sort of patriarchy there are some of the most powerful intellectual arguments i've ever read and not even about the content i just mean the capacity to use this kind of rhetoric and to use this remorseless logic against against an opponent it's just fucking extraordinary and then they they do something which i think is like the high point of liberal thought which is they outline the liberal way of life what it is to live your life as a liberal and that is to have autonomy now they don't care what you do if you want to be a monk you know and make cheese Fine, if you want to sit on your PlayStation, do that. If you want to be a high-flying businessman, you know, in the, in the city and make lots of money, whatever. They don't care. What they say is you have to fucking choose your life. Like, you cannot let societal expectations do that for you, familial expectations, the, the, the glances of your friends. You cannot be part of the herd. You have to make your own choices in life. And no matter what choice you make, as long as you yourself made it for yourself, that is a decent liberal life to, to lead. The view of autonomy, and that to me is like not just like politically important, but just in my own life, my own way of thinking about things, and the, the way I want to look back on my life 
is I just think one of the most important moral lessons that anyone has ever delivered to me. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's an immensely romantic story as well. It is, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, really. I wish we could have talked about the uh, Benjamin Constant uh, thing, but uh, we haven't got time, really. I yeah, just, but people uh, should read the book, right? People I mean, should read the book. Point, that's what I'm going to round up by saying. Ian, <laughs> no, 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 no. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, the fucking really loved the book, man. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Yes, and so if anyone wants to buy the book uh, and they're in my area, it will be available in a charity shop soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. That'll be on, that'll be on my bookshelf forever now because that's how I like that books that I like stay on my bookshelf forever. So when I'm dead, my son will probably throw it in a bin somewhere. But it'll be a few years from now. That's good. Buy the book. Buy the book. Buy the book. We, we don't know how long. We don't know how long. <laughs> yeah, could be next year. Cool. Fuck who? Who knows? Um, <laughs> should we? Um, all right. Should we move on to some other shit? Yes. Should we start then? I'm starting. This is me starting right now. Okay. Yeah? Alright. Ian, this is a professional operation. Don't know what you're looking at. I'm trying to remember what I had ideas for what I was going to ask and stuff, but I can't remember what they were. Good. Well, maybe you'll remember while I say some crap. Yeah? Oh yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember now. Alright. Well, no, go on then. By all okay, means. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Right, this is what the one thing I wanted to ask you actually, Ian. Um, <laughs> the, this podcast was born out of us being in lockdown, and well, actually, I mean, Matt's been begging me for some time to do a podcast because it was, oh, I mean, that's you know, not true, actually. Begging <laughs> a year or so, like, uh, you know, he's that's got fine, no- live with that delusion, that's fine. Well, I mean, you asked me a year or so ago and said, you really should do a podcast, you know, you're super talented. <laughs> nothing's going on in my life I find it um, quite hard Amy... to imagine that conversation <laughs> no but anyway so <laughs> it was born out of the lockdown and and we've a lot of it was initially about our you know basically my descent into emotional and mental instability <laughs> that that wasn't the it was pitched to me as a political podcast but it's pretty, <laughs> I think it quite clearly became some kind of experiment on Matt's part to just chronicle my descent into madness. Yeah, but, this is closest to the truth, yeah. But, but, what I wanted to ask you, how is your, you know, experience of, what's been your experience of lockdown and pandemic? How have you coped? How have you found it? What, you know, have you, it what's it been like for you? I mean, so, I, I have some quite strong advantages. I mean, the, the first one is I, I really do like doing fuck all in my pants. <laughs> like, I, I actually love that. And so lockdown doesn't hold that much terror. The, the other is I don't, I don't have kids. And I notice that all my friends with kids just basically <laughs> lost their shit in a way that I, it was unbelievable. To, 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 a, to a man, actually, like every single one of them. So on that basis, it, it wasn't that bad. The thing is, the first lockdown, I was still... I, we delayed the book, right? So I, I suddenly was just like, well, I've actually That's got more time to work on this. Frustrating, man. Well, did you work on it more when you... Yeah, exactly. And so you know, it was annoying because it wasn't coming out, but it was cool because I got to work on it some more. And actually, ah. the thing is, I had something to do during lockdown. Like, I had a mission. You know what I mean? That's like, interesting. There was I didn't realise that. I would have thought... I'd, I, I imagined it because I don't know about these things. I thought the book would have been finished and delayed and then that was it. I didn't realise you were 
then they got another chance to work on it. Like, I can yeah. imagine that being, yeah. That's... It's quite useful. Like when you have like a day of despair about, oh, fuck me. I, I actually, I thought this job was done and I have to get back in. But then afterwards, it was quite a nice thing to do. So this second one that I presume is coming, I presume we are going to end up in it over winter. Yeah, I, I, that'll be a better time to ask me because I won't have that that sort of protective level of of knowing what the fuck it is I'm supposed to do with my day. And I imagine it, it'll be spent. I mean, I I ordered a virtual reality set the other day, and I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's just going to be my next five months. Really. Yeah. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah, I don't want to really say exactly where my mind goes when somebody mentions virtual reality. <laughs> Why? Which, is it lawnmower man? It's not well. Um, well, actually, there you know the lawnmower man where he's like um, he's fornicating with the lady and um, <laughs> oh, it goes. Oh, it goes I remember that seeing place. that as really? a teenager and just being really? hugely, <laughs> hugely turned on, and that is immediately <laughs> whenever. <laughs> really, by the, by the, the whenever like, the anyone mentions. The weird the gooey sets. avatar set. Matt's wife doesn't listen to the podcast, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, no, she actually does. So. <laughs> She's wondering why the why the Google Cardboard has got so uh, worn out. <laughs> uh, it's weird they're trying to prepare for a second lockdown because I mean I don't want to. I can't. Really, we can't really go into detail for legal reasons, but my and for reasons that I have an actual job, but. My first lockdown experience was a bit erratic and strange. Um, <laughs> but the best thing, one of the best things about lockdown was I, we des- I decided to bring forward my whole plan to watch every single Marvel film in order with my mm-hmm. son, George. Now, bringing it forward was a little bit, uh, well, he's basically seven and that's not... A little bit premature. Yeah. He's premature and I didn't <laughs> think I would do it that young. But I was like... Uh, we're gonna. Tr- we'll tr- we've got the time. Yeah, Let's do we've it. We've got the time. He was desperate to, and I was like, mm. and it has been a bit. We've been on a long journey now, and it's been fantastic, great bonding thing to do. And I, I love the films, and they're fantastic films for kids because it's this grand narrative where they, you know, it's got a big, big a beginning and an end, but it's 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 a long way from each from each from the beginning to the end. So the, you know, there's ups and downs. People die and all these. You know, it's great for a, <laughs> a kid. And I think stuff stuff kind of gets weirder and weirder. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all, been almost a few... to the point of like, um, we're running out of ideas. Shit, let's get into space. Hey, then no, like, no, shit, no, let's no, invent no, no, time no, no, travel. No, no. That's not running out of ideas. That's not running I mean, out of ideas. That's what the comic books are like, right? I don't know, Ian. Do you do you oh, read? Oh, don't criticize. No, I do. Yeah, I read a lot of comic books, but I like them. I like it when it gets really wacky. So I'm I'm keen on talking trees and and stuff like that. Like I, I like it when it gets really as weird as possible. So I was yeah. I was happy with those later I, Marvel ones where they start getting a bit odd. That's funny actually because I really like I liked the X Men films and I hadn't seen the Marvel films until relatively recently. I was like I don't think I'm gonna get into them. I mean talking trees and robot suits that sounds ridiculous. And <laughs> I really got into them and. But but you liked X Men, but you don't want robots. Yeah, sense. it doesn't make any sense at all. And then I realised <laughs> yeah, how wrong I was. Ridiculous. Obviously, that's the, the. And then <laughs> Infinity War next. I really can't wait to show my boy that because oh wow, you know, big big things happen straight away. Loki, big character for so long, bam, he's dead. And then he's he's his favourite character is Hulk because Hulk is a oh, monster. Mate. A monster beats everyone, smashes everyone. Then he gets just in the beginning of that film. He just gets unceremoniously beaten. 
Sorry, Matt, you're not a big fan. Shut the fuck up. You know, I, am a big, a, I am actually a big fan. Yes, actually, I was surprised. <laughs> I'm very enthusiastic about it because it's a big bonding session with the... the he's he, love so it. He, has, he love hasn't it. seen Infinity War yet and you're about to do that. Yeah. Exactly. I would honestly, I can't imagine anything I would rather do than watch a seven-year-old boy uh, who's excited about Infinity War watch Infinity War. Yes, like exactly. Sounds so exactly. much more fun than just watching Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's been great. That's been one fun thing. I can't remember... Um, is this was just a big cue for me to talk about this? I did want you to talk about it. <laughs> I think I you gave yourself a cue. For I can't remember what I was expecting you to contribute. You, you cued yourself in very effectively. <laughs> no, right. Now you say things about that. What do you think? <laughs> this is just what it's like I on news remember, night. It's exactly the same. I can't remember the bit that you were meant to say now. You know what's weird about the thought, kid? I'll bring this up and discuss that, and I just realised it was a big cue for me to talk for ages, and, and then I have a thing about the, to... the kids. We we went to. Do you remember the last Jurassic World film or whatever? Which yes. was, I mean, yeah. it was bad, and they've all they, realistically they've all been bad since the first one. Um, yeah. and, and but this one was really like, I mean, it was stupid in ways I could barely believe. Like it was <laughs> fucking up. And yet we were in the cinema, right? And there was and there was just kids, basically. It was parents taking their kids. I think it was like a two PM screening or something. And I fucking love that film because what you did was you just got to relive watching Jurassic Park yes. for the first time by virtue of these kids. These kids didn't know what the hell was going on. They were like each time a Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex came out, they were terrified. Every time someone managed to run away, they were that euphoric. It was just <laughs> such a pleasure to ride on yeah. their like wave of emotions during this yeah. thing. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Thank that. you. Cheers, Ian. That was uh, very interesting, actually. <laughs> uh, that, I meant that sincerely. I meant that sincerely. The fact they, that you're having to say it was sincere. Well, just because Ian, some, he, like, you're already thinking, well, oh, that sounds weirdly sincere for Ben. And then Ian so, so, seems to have already picked up on the fact that 
that's a not very believable thing for me to say. <laughs> it, I meant, the, I meant it as it sounded. <laughs> uh, is that still recording? Then yeah, that's real professional. Real professional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God, rudderless. You ha- uh, you you were going to say something else about about yeah. Something. Feel a bit of exposed now. As as much as I abuse him, I actually need him to steer my thoughts most of the time. <laughs> wow, are you just gonna completely fall apart because he's not in his seat? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, podcast things talks. Uh, what was that about the Avengers we were saying earlier? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, one thing we we're going to talk about, Ian, actually, uh, and. <laughs> He was going to, I'm going to preempt Matt because Matt was going to bring this up to try and create this awkward moment because that's what he finds amusing. But I was trying to think earlier, the funny thing earlier when you when we began the podcast, you said, you said to Matt, nice to meet you, which was interesting because we've never really met, have we? Mm. You know, it feels like we have. But we yeah, are. yeah. Well, you and I've been chatting for like four years, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much like every day. Yeah. But, so but, yeah. Matt was talk- asking me earlier, uh, "How did you meet Ian? Uh, you know, how did you start interacting?" I was like, "Oh, I, I don't really know." But the only thing I really remember about the early stages of, of our interaction—I wouldn't expect you to remember this more significant to me—I think that the uh, one thing, one of the earliest memories actually is because this was a, there was a anyway, I wouldn't want to think overthink this, but there's a few, <laughs> but you clearly <laughs> have. <laughs> I have thought about it a lot because there's a few that, that, that just shut up, Matt. Don't you really just, you don't need to be involved in this bit. <laughs> it's much no. like all the other segments where you've said yeah. exactly the same thing to yeah. him. Yeah. Don't, how was your how was your experience of that, Ben? Uh, Ian, well, what, what, you know, when when you first like had your first interaction with Ben, how was that? Jesus Christ! I, I, I really feel like I'm walking towards. Oh yeah, honest yeah. opinion. No, yeah. shut up, Ben. Just let Ian talk. Yeah, Ian remembers his first interaction. Yeah, actually, well, Ian wrote it down. Even if it's a hazy first memory, that's fine too. First interaction with Ben Kelly today, very significant moment in my life. I'm surprised it's not in his book. <laughs> quite, quite quite arousing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What I was going to say before Matt really interrupted was that I, that okay, okay, yeah. Ian's going to talk about the first time he, oh, the first time I came across <laughs> Ben on Twitter. I've never met such a towering intellect. I well, almost reconsidered my whole thoughts on Brexit because of this man. No, I mean, well, well, obviously, Ian, um, I know Ben in a very different way to to how you probably know him. Um, I know him as a as a friend, and obviously, a friends show most of just the worst parts of themselves to each other and they, and they all accept it and that's why we're friends and that's why we stick together. <laughs> but when you interact with people, other people, you know, just in a kind of, in a, in a different environment, say Twitter, for example, you, you have a first impression, which is, which can be very different. And I'm just interested, like, what was that? How was that? And you can from be your, totally from, honest, From Ian, your perspective. Please. Just imagine yeah. not here. <laughs> it's actually quite difficult. Um, so, I mean, my... <laughs> there was a there's like the gang in my head of and, and I have bear in mind I have no idea what your actual relations are with each other in real life but it was you and Roland and Oliver Norgrove who were just this gang of sort of like of liberal Brexiters basically and at that from those early interactions my thoughts were just like this the these guys haven't lost their mind and because you know there were others like <laughs> Daniel Hannan who who seemed like 
you, you, you would have expected them to be on that position. But after the vote, you could just instantly tell they had no interest in thinking for themselves anymore. They were just going to go with this sort of flock mentality and, and all of that. And so my, my early memories are just of the three of you guys just being people who weren't doing that um, and who were still, you know, still people you could talk to. And weirdly, that was those. I always thought those relationships, they're all online relationships, but they did matter to me quite a bit because in a really, really tribal period, it did kind of matter that there were people on the other side who you could you could admire and you can actually have a conversation with and that you shared values with. So it was actually, those things were disproportionately important, I think, in that great furnace of Brexit horror <laughs> that we were trapped in for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And actually, yeah. um, well, shut up, Matt. Um, just, I mean, I basically wanted Ian to say you're a prick. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he didn't. Yes, he did, didn't you? He didn't. You did, didn't he? Obviously, that's what he wanted. That's not what happened he because he's a nice person. He's too polite. Something else we were going to talk about, Ian. Why are you such a nice person? Oh yeah, because definitely. That's terrible. All the time. Um, yeah. No, but we're not going. We're not going to go over that. Um, the, I think the fundamental, the funny thing about the intro, the, I think w- one of the things that the early on interaction between us that I remember, actually, you won't remember because I remember, is that <laughs> I started to th- rethink about how I might use Twitter because basically was very, very irritable and petulant on Twitter back then and would get very irritable when arguing with people. I just remember one particular moment when I said something very like, petulant. And then you were just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to leave you there to just stew in your own bitter juices. And I was like, oh, don't do that. Argue me. That's a, that's a very good way of dealing with it. Because I was just like, oh, that's really annoying. It's like, oh, you know, uh, fuck off. Um, and I think there's a lot of contributing factors as well. It's like, why do I speak? Why, you know, why do I speak to people on Twitter the way I do? Why don't I speak to them more like I would expect to be, you know, in person? And I don't always do that now, but... I did try and change my approach to how I deal with people on social media, and Matt's smiling a lot because he doesn't believe me. No, I'm just smiling like he won't shut up. Um, the, um, the, Sorry. <laughs> it, do, do you have like memory of that, Ian? But yeah, so the, I mean, most all of my memories of interaction with been really popular. I mean, you got you guys, you guys became kind of annoying, right? Because. You, you, you eventually, I, I used to always get asked, oh, and, you, you know, are there people that you admire on the Brexit side? And I could always refer to you. <laughs> and then eventually you guys just gave up on it. And I was like, fuck, that makes it, I mean, it's obviously, the, I agree with the conclusion, but it makes it much harder for me to try and look like a reasonable human being. Um, so, all right, I've got another thing. Um, what was the last thing? Uh, well, yeah. Has anybody got any unhealthy like YouTube uh, obsessions? <laughs> I'm just completely oh, wow. switching it a bit. <laughs> any like <laughs> yeah, unhealthy or maybe not unhealthy, but, but YouTube obsessions or some kind of uh, recommendations for U- YouTube. Um, yeah, things. YouTube holes when you just fall down the YouTube hole. I mean, it does happen, doesn't it? I'm useless because I don't really look at YouTube very much. I do see the video, like the videos that come up on Instagram, and my weird. Thing that I've kind of it's, there's a lot of accounts full of sort of microbiology, so it's just micro. It's mm-hmm. just like videos, basically of like I don't even know if I'm using microbiology right. I don't. I think that's what this is called. That seems like the kind of thing it should be called. But basically, like single-celled organisms and how they behave, or larvae, or something like that. And it's quite mad because it is just that thing of like when you go down to the super small level, 
they actually act a bit like us. Like they'll bump into stuff and then avoid it and things like that. And then you really realize, you know, this is just a question of scale. You know, if I could see this stuff that's just not visible in my eye, it would actually, (laughs) it's on my body and it's behaving in the same way as like an animal. So it kind of makes you feel a bit dirty, but also a bit more empathetic, which I think is a really winning combination. So the other thing I think about that, and and yeah, not to sound weird, but like trees. (laughs) (laughs) So like trees, trees are like, you know, they grow really slowly, but that's basically the, the, the main difference, isn't it? I mean, and plants as well. Like, they, uh, they, mm-hmm. they, and, and there's been tests. These are speeding up, the speeding up. There have been plants. experiments to, to show that, you know, plants feel pain and things like that. And it's really just like different organisms living at a different kind of scale or a different time mm-hmm. uh, progression. And it, yeah, once you get to, you shouldn't start thinking about that stuff because it's like, you, you become yeah, a vegan weird, and then you become like, oh shit, I shouldn't even eat plants. Like, everything's living and <laughs> everything has you, emotion. You, and, but when you grow, when you speed up the growth of plants and stuff and the things they do to, okay, so like, yeah, when they're trying to go towards the sun and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, when you speed it up, they're just like some, they look like an animal, just yeah. like, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't want to get into that too much because we said in the last podcast when my sister's a vegan, she was a vegetarian for many years, then she became a vegan, and she talks about it every time I see see her, which is fine. But as I said in the last podcast, I had to say to her last time, I just don't want you to waste your time because morally, where I am, I just don't care enough. It's over here. Yeah. It's not. Like, that's not. Like, yeah, just, that, just, by the way, that is not a moral opinion. That, that is saying <laughs> I, I, I can't be bothered to have a moral opinion. Yeah. <laughs> We're not used to having a conscience on the on the episode on the podcast. <laughs> just, my, just just me. I and love then... the idea of like morally where I am is I can't be fun. <laughs> I didn't I didn't factor that a person into having an actual moral opinion into this segment at all. No, no. I mean, and and you're repeating a, a moral opinion we literally did. Yeah, in last but you pod, you didn't podcast, you didn't so. ha- you didn't have one though, did you? You didn't have one because I'm used to having no, a have, fellow scumbag slash. I have the same opinion as you. Same opinion as you. Yeah, and I think I did say that. But, but anyway. we did say that having Ian on, we'd actually have a real person with human emotions. <laughs> so, oh wow! All kinds if, of. This is your peak human emotion content. You guys he are seems like he's, he's, He seems like he's obsessed with single cells or organisms. So. Yeah, won't totally eat them. Obsessed. Just won't eat oh, them. It's just not. You've got three cells, so I can't eat you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> Thank Ian, you, Ian, um... for coming on. We're going to call it a day. Yeah. That's Thank great. You. And it was an absolute pleasure, guys. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Thank Brilliant. you very much. Not at all. I want to say a thank you to Ben as well. Like Ben, like did like a real person thing and like actually got you on the show. And <laughs> I think I'm, I'm actually really happy that, that you've joined us. And thank you to yeah. Ben. Yeah. But mostly, thank mostly thank you to, to you, Ian. Thank yeah, you. man. Thank you so much for coming. On. I really enjoyed meeting you. I really, really love the book. Though. I've got to say, I really love the book. Buy the book, people. People who listen to this really enjoyed it, man. Seriously, Cheers, guys. thanks so much for having yeah. me. It was a pleasure. Hey, that's an achievement, though, isn't it? I, I want to read a writing book one day, so well done. Well oh, done. Stop, can I? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good book. Have me on your podcast one day, yeah? As soon as it comes out. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers. Goodbye. Uh, is that actually the end of the call? I'll just end Yeah, the that's, that's it finished. That's it finished. Okay.